Okay, well, good morning to you. Thanks for coming. We, we hope you had a good rest last night because we're talking about rest here in the seminar. Just for the recording, and we're so grateful that the sound is working today. We had some major troubles yesterday. Um, just for the record, because we're recording for, for, for Audioverse, thank you very much. I'll just read quickly the title and our name and the session number. So the, this is the seminar Recharge, Finding Your Safe Place, and this is session five. And it's called The Ultimate Rest, and the speakers are Chantel and Gerald Klingbeil. Now you can do the proper in uh, introduction, Chantel. Well, uh, again, a welcome to everyone. I'm beginning to recognize some faces that have been here a couple of times, so welcome back. But I think a, a couple of, or some of you haven't been to these seminars before, right? Um, who, who the folks that are here for the first time? Okay, so we've, we've got a good a majority. So maybe we should say a little bit about ourselves. Well, why don't you okay. begin, Chantal? <laughs> so as you can see, it's a husband and wife tag team here. Um, my name's Chantal. I work, f uh, I'm an associate uh, director at the LNG White Estate in Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, Gerald? I work also in the same building. It's the General Conference Building. Silver Spring, Maryland, but you hear our accent. I'm from mm -hmm. Germany originally, Chantal's from South Africa. We worked in many parts of the world, I would say, most mm. continents except at, uh, Antarctica. Um, and <laughs> That's not on my bucket list either. Yeah, no, no, definitely not. And, and we're delighted to be here. I'm the associate editor of Advanced Review. If you know anything about Adventism, that's the oldest thing that there is about Adventism, even before the church was founded. And Adventist World is the one magazine that you should actually get if you're an Adventist member mm -hmm. here in North America. So this is part five of a rest that we've been exploring. Uh, we've spoken about the causes of rest. That was in the, the causes first... Causes of restlessness. Oh, the causes... <laughs> Thank you. I'm, maybe I need more rest, right? <laughs> The causes of restlessness we spoke about in, the, in our first session. Mm -hmm. In our second session, we dealt with relationships and difficult, relationships. difficult, dysfunctional relationships and trying to find rest in those relationships. Mm -hmm. That's one of my personal favorites. Then we talked about what most people associate with rest, most Adventists, that is. That's the Sabbath. We spoke about the Sabbath and why is the Sabbath so significant for for God's overall idea, rest idea. And we, we really, what we're suggesting in the seminar, and maybe some of you remember, we actually wrote the Sabbath school lesson for la last year, Resting in Christ. And that, that's a lot of the material that we're doing here was already in there. And there's a book that goes with it. And if you went to Sabbath school in 2021, you must have studied something about that, but we suggest that actually rest is kind of an organizing factor also, um, or element that helps us understand God's character better, because it seems to be so important that it starts right from the beginning, and it goes right to the last book of, of the Bible. And then yesterday, the last one, that I've also is one of the real fun ones, we spoke about the best and most reluctant missionary we spoke about Jonah, and we had uh, the connections that there are to rest and witness. 
what the connection is over there. So that's just an overview. If you weren't here and if any of those things are interesting to you, go back. That should be available shortly to, to listen to. So today, before we begin, why don't we have a prayer? Yeah, shall I pray? Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you in a special way for another day of life. You gave us some rest during the night, and we prayed not just physical, for physical rest, but also for emotional and spiritual rest that we experience today in a special way. As we think about the ultimate rest, the, the, the one hope that really drives us as Adventists particularly, and for some of us, it's not always just hopeful. We pray that your rest will, will really enter our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you flew here? Okay. Well, and, and I'm, it wasn't always an easy ride, especially this time. But if you flew, and even if you didn't fly this time, I'm sure you remember well that as soon as you sit down, even before the plane starts taxiing, or sometimes while it's taxiing, if you're at a big airport, you have the, the flight steward or stewardess up there, and what are they talking about? Safety, Safety. yes. They tell you how to fix your seat belts. But there's one part that's always, you know, they tell you, you need to look for the exit sign, Right. And they say, take a moment to look around you to see where your nearest exit sign is. And then they, you know, wave always so nicely. And they say, your nearest exit sign may be behind you. And some people, you, you'll you, notice, actually look around. Other you, people don't. You don't do it as elegantly as they do it, yeah? Very good, yeah. <laughs> so um, then they talk about the exit sign. They tell you that in case of an ex, you know, of an emergency landing, that the, the lights, it'll light up, guiding you to your nearest exit. You need to leave all your belongings behind, and you need to go to the nearest exit. And they tell you that on every single flight. It would seem, it would seem that in an emergency, when there's smoke and maybe, you know, uh, an accident, that people get confused, right? That you suddenly can't remember how to get out and you will need the guidance of that, that exit well, lighting. I think today we really would like to talk a little bit about this exit and maybe exit strategies. Um, we, I, I, we are really at the end of 2022. We have one more day and then we step into a new year. If you look back at your year, what would you say? Was it a good year? Maybe it was a difficult year. I'm sure worldwide, if, if I look at the world, it was a difficult year. I mean, think about a, a war in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, think about COVID still continuing. It's not just disappeared. Now um, we, we, we are more prepared, maybe. Think about the economy that has been tanking for a while. There's a lot of things to, to worry about. Mm -hmm. And I think that that when I speak with neighbors, with friends who are not Christians and maybe not Adventists, they worry about the, the future. Mm -hmm. And we too sometimes, mm -hmm. don't we? Mm -hmm. um, now, there's a big controversy that's raging, and we've spoken about this, and as Adventists, we glibly say that's a great controversy, or a cosmic battle, a cosmic conflict, um, and yet we forget it often that behind... 
what we can see, there is something that's happening between Satan and God. There is some action happening, and it's not just in the big picture, but it's also in our own lives. In the smaller, you know, if we move back a little bit, we zoom out and we realize, wow, oh, sorry, we zoom in into our own life and we realize, wow, there is a battle also in my life going on. And I don't know, sometimes the reaction to these, uh, to these thoughts is, I'm a little worried. People are at least around, around where I live seem to be worried. So that's particularly what we'd like to talk about a little in this time, those, those two levels of fear. There's the fear of the future that makes us restless and afraid. We don't know what's going to happen. And maybe even there's a little bit of prophetic fear in there mm. because we know, you know, a time of trouble is coming such as never was. And we go, oh, how far away are we from that? And this is going to get worse. And it's not a very restful idea. And on the other level... I mean, even if we're not thinking that far, and I know we're speaking to a group of younger people com comparatively to us, but there's this other fear. I mean, you know, there's these nasty news that we keep getting of people that get sick, relatives that get sick, cancer, accident, overdose, and just like this, a life is gone. And there's that fear of death that many of us have as well. Well, those of you who... Who's, this is the first time that you join our seminar. You don't know yet what those who what you're in came for. already a couple <laughs> times have already known. We don't want to just talk. We really, both of us are really at heart teachers. Um, I'm a pastor, but I'm also a professor, and I enjoy engaging with other men. So we'd love to have you. We have some questions that we would like you to talk about in small groups. Find two, three people next to you. If you sit alone, maybe you turn around or you move towards someone. Another great way to make a new friend. Yes. And then we'll talk. Usually we give you one or two or three minutes, and then we'll listen a little bit, and then we move on. So it's not just that a you lecture. will hear a lecture or a sermon. We'd like you really to engage, and that means you engage also personally. All right. Shall we start yeah, with the first let's question? Try, let's try it. Out the okay, Shani, why, why don't you read that first question? Okay, so this is what you're going to talk about in your little group. How do you think prophecy is gen generally perceived? Okay, that's just generally if you talk about prophecy. And then is it something positive? Is it sort of an intellectual activity that you'll know stuff that's going to happen before it happens? Secret knowledge? And then definitely I'd like you to touch even just briefly on how does it make you feel and why. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Please find a couple of people, introduce yourselves, and then discuss. Okay, well, how, how are you doing? Are you kind of getting a feel for it? It's, it's wonderful to see you engaged. That's good. And maybe making new friends and... Maybe listening to some ideas that are different from your ideas. Um, so, let's start with the first one. How do you, what do you think is, how is prophecy or prophetic interpretation usually uh, perceived in the world that you live in? Is it positive? Is it negative? What, what, did, you, what did you feel? Yes, Give a hand. Yes, please. Okay. Most people see it as confusing or scary. Any, anything else? 
or is that the yes, please? All right, so it could be troubling, and it is troubling for some people, but if we go to the Bible, there seems to be a much more hopeful perspective. Maybe that's something that is really affecting those who communicate about prophecy. Yes. Okay, so for some Christians that are non-Adventists, um, they maybe are interested in prophecy, but it's not all-consuming. So maybe a little bit of the prophetic text they would like to understand. Uh, no, they want to, and they think they do. But oh, Okay, oh, okay, they think that, that really it is too hidden, Obscure. apocalyptic, that's really that, what it means, it's hidden, so it can't, be, it can't be known, at least at this time. Okay, good. All right, so we had a second question there. Um, let's go to the last one here, I would yeah. say, I think. How does prophecy make you feel when you think about prophecies, prophecies of the time of the end, and so on. What, what, what are your feelings? What did you talk about in your groups? Hope. 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 All right. So, so here she said, when we talked about it, it's kind of both. There's some fear, maybe, or maybe we don't know yet. And at the same time, there's hope. That's something that you mentioned as well. Any, anybody else who, has, who would like to share some of the feelings that that you have when you think about prophetic or prophetic interpretation? Yes, they're in the back. You feel ready. Oh, it makes you... Oh, it makes you want to feel ready for the coming of Jesus. This is my age. Thank you very much. <laughs> so you mean kind of like a wake-up call? Like sort of a, thing. something to shake us up and say, yeah, well, I really need to be ready for Jesus coming. Okay, good. Anybody else? Okay, I'm coming from a... Sunday-keeping background, she said, and it really, the understanding of prophecy has really given me much more peace and a clearer picture of, of the future. Wonderful. Good. Well, let's, let's move on, Chantal. Huh? Now, imagine the situation. This is somebody sitting on a fairly lonely rock. He's the oldest surviving disciple of the 12 that walked and lived with Jesus. John, you know, on Patmos, he has been exiled. Everybody else has died. He is really alone. He was, exile means he couldn't, he can't see his family. You know, he can't just, just quickly catch a plane and, and see, you know, go to, to Israel back or go to Asia Minor and visit the churches there. No, he is there for good. And I imagine, I imagine that he's worried. He had a lot to worry about. Uh, he's the only one still living that has actually seen Jesus and walked with Jesus and been with Jesus. He's the last one. And the new founded Christian church, yes, it has grown, but it's facing terrible persecution. So on one hand, it's grown, but there's these, these horrible persecutions that are just sweeping over the, 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 the church. And as if that's not bad enough, he sees sprouting up in this body that's been persecuted strange new heretical beliefs. And he thinks, well, from without we're going to be destroyed or from within we're going to be destroyed. Where is Jesus? Why hasn't he come back yet? I'm an old man. Things look pretty grim. And that's, that's exactly when it happens. At that moment, Jesus speaks to him and he uses the Spirit, a prophetic vision, and I'd like to read that to you if you have your Bible. 
I hope you brought them because we do use the Bible in this seminar. Um, Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 to 19. Revelation 1, verses 9 to 19. I have the New King James Version, but you follow in your version. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. Uh, he's eagerly turning. I, I would turn too. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Now that's very familiar to John. That's the title that Jesus really applied to himself. Clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. Verse 14, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. And that's key, I think. That's the first time that, that, that Jesus is really addressing John directly. He says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Write the things which you've seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. What a beautiful picture. And, you know, the book of Revelation, it's full of fantastic prophecies, the book of Daniel too. But before we, we, we're not doing an in-depth Daniel study or even Revelation study this morning, but before one approaches any of those prophetic books, it's important to remember that this is a curtain being pulled open mm. for a purpose, for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And before we get lost in the details, don't forget the big picture that's here. John is not alone. Mm. John is not alone, and there will be an end. Already, and in Jesus' words, there will be an end to death, to divorce, to cancer, mm. to funerals. To fear itself, there will be an end. The same Jesus that John had loved, that John had walked with, came. He looked so different, but he was so recognizable. And he came with encouragement. I think that's key, right? I, I, that's definitely key, but he's reminding John also that the things that he spoke about, that John heard himself. You remember some of the, the speeches that Jesus had, prophetic speeches that he had about Matthew 24, 25, about the times of the end. 
he, this, these messages are not in vain. They will come through. It, there is a perspective that God holds John in that differences and in that maybe fear also in the tribulation. And at the same time, he's also reminding him, but I have also you in my hand personally. So it's big picture, little picture, zooming in and zooming out. I think that's, that's key here to this one. This isn't the first time that we have the big picture. Jesus had already spoken about the big picture, remember? When he was on earth, he spoke to his disciples, Matthew 24. That is all about big picture as well. Mm. What's going to happen between Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension, and the end? Jesus just painted in some quick, brief strokes mm -hmm. there on, on, on the Mount of, of Olives following until the second coming. Correct. And we know this very often. We, we are pointing and maybe put our finger on this text of the time of trouble. That's something that, that reappears and somehow that's get, that's, is stuck in the mind of people, also Adventists. And we, we sometimes maybe get stuck too much on that particular one. Um, but I'd love to ask you, invite you for another conversation. Here is the question. Now, Adventists know well Daniel's description of a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. That's Daniel chapter 12. That will precede Jesus' second coming. And Jesus references that time of trouble as well in his own, in his own uh, speeches. What will his coming be like, Jesus' coming be like? How do you feel about this event? So let's take two minutes. Go to your neighbors and to your little group, the new friends that you're making or the old friends that you're sitting with right now, and talk about these two questions. You know, this time of trouble that we are familiar with that precedes the second coming of Jesus, and then the two questions, what will this coming be like? How do you feel about it? So there's a factual element and there's a maybe a responsive element to that. All right, it seems to be getting quieter here. Um, That's always the sign, right? That usually is a sign. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what will his coming be like? What, what were the first like, words that flashed into your minds or concepts you spoke about? Bright, loud. Hmm, nice. Anyone else? Good, I'm going to interrupt you so that we can keep talking for the... That's not too long on the recording. So you, you said... There's, there was a whole spectrum of feelings out there. There was a bit of the actual feeling for the second coming, a bit of fear, especially like salvation-wise. Am I, am I saved? Am I ready for this? And then on the other hand, there's so much sin and suffering, and it, it, for a lot, the feeling is, oh, I just wish this were over. So it, it had kind of both feelings. Anyone else? This is a more quieter bunch today. Maybe they still. I think they're tired. Yeah. They're, <laughs> well, it's it is tiring as a conference like this. Yes. It's always busy. All right. Let's let's go to that to that element. What will it be like? We heard, you know, some ideas of bright, loud, visible. You know, mm -hmm. everybody will get it. It's not a secret thing. It's something that will things make things right. Maybe some mm -hmm. of the injustice that you ref referenced. Mm -hmm. But there's also sometimes this sense that we have, am I ready? Am I good enough? Am I, will I stand? Mm -hmm. 
Will I be right? I think Jesus knew that. When, he, when we read through his end time speeches, we, we see he paints a broad stroke. You know, we look at the big picture. We, we don't see all the details. And I don't think the purpose is to give us all the details. Remember, no one knows the time or the hour, the day or the hour. So, so I don't think the purpose is timing here, but the purpose is maybe reassurance mm -hmm. because he's leaving them. Remember the trauma that the disciples experienced He, he just disappeared. Will he come back? When will he come back? Soon. Soon. And that was the driving force of, of the early Christian church. Um, it's big deal. It's big deal. It's big deal for the disciples. It's still big deal for us. But I think we mustn't miss the picture. Jesus is telling us not to scare us, but to reassure us. And I think that will make all the difference as we also approach these scary scenarios. I, I, I moved one slide ahead on purpose, I think, looking at our time here. Uh, we want to talk about timing a little bit, the right timing. And there is a question that we would like to ask you. Maybe we'll, can you get you moving a little bit more? Okay? The question is... Daniel chapter 8. You can read it. It's four verses if you want to. I think many of you know these verses. This is a very important prophetic vision that kind of in the Old Testament sets the ground so we can understand the book of Revelation. Um, here's the question. Read the text and then consider the question of timing. Which period in time does the biblical text itself consider as the target of the time prophesied Uh, time prophecies included in these verses. All right? So it's, it's I don't think it's a complex question. It's, we want to start you off here a little bit in, in Daniel. We'll give you a minute or two. Yeah. Okay. So just quickly read those verses in your group and question. the question is, what is the target of those, those prophecies? What time period are we looking at? Can read it together in your group, or you're reading. Some people are reading quicker on their own, but we'll give you a minute. All right. Shall we? Shall we kind of gather again? What does it point to? Just looking at the text. What What is Daniel and actually the the, the, the angel talking to Daniel? What What is he referring to? What's this time prophecy all about? Okay, Daniel 8, 14, investigative judgment, and especially, keyword, 2,300 mornings and evenings, which, if we look at the context and the use of this large number with a phrase that nobody, in no other place in the Bible appears like this, suggests that these are years. And then at the end of this text that you read, in verse 17, it's, it says, understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. In other words, there's a time prophecy of 2,300 days, morning and evenings, equaling years, that will really point us to the end. After that, there is no more time. I mean, no more prophetic time. That's, that's significant. What I find significant is Daniel's reaction. Anybody yes. remember how he reacted? <coughs> yeah. He, he was sick for days. After that, he was just so, 
I would say like an emotional breakdown mm -hmm. after this. It was just too much for him. He, I don't get it. This is going to go on forever. 2,300 years. No, I, I, I can't take it. And so I think it's very significant that when Gabriel comes to explain the vision to him, the first thing he says is, well, we've got to talk about timing. Mm -hmm. let, let, let's talk about time. He understands this horror that has come over Daniel. And that's a little bit maybe reflected also what we read in the first chapter of Revelation, where John felt maybe something similar. How long? It doesn't make sense. I'm alone here. Uh, what happens to your church? When will you come back? Now, the next chapter, as, and we, we don't want to really, this is not a seminar on Daniel or Revelation. We, the next chapter talks about the explanation because he's sick, he's praying, he's fasting, and then God reveals to him, sends a messenger and reveals to him, there is a sequence, and we know about those time periods that are cut off out of, out of these larger time periods in, in Daniel chapter 9, describing, and that suddenly it makes sense because it describes the arrival of the Messiah. Oh, we can put a, a, a face to it, a name to it. We can put a time to it. And when it, does it start? It starts when the city is officially being reconstructed with city walls. That's also, we can find in history in 457 BC, we can find the time for this. Nehemiah is very clear when, when, we, when we study this. Um, but if Jesus, if, it, if the time begins there, then we also have an end time. And that end time is, I mean, you're working a lot with that, 1844. There were some discussions, 1843, 1844, because somebody forgot the zero. But 1844, what, what, what's that significant? The, the end of prophetic time, which, of course, was a little while ago, right? And we soon are in 2023. I think there's a little takeaway from Daniel. At least for Daniel, it seemed to help this vision. It didn't seem to scare him further, but it seemed to reassure him. I think it said to Daniel... God's got this. It might look like a complete mess. It might look like chaos. There are empires that are going to rise and fall. There are things that are going to happen that you could never even dream of. But God's got this. Through it all, he is going to bring out his plan. Okay, well, we jumped now very quickly through kind of until that end of prophetic mm -hmm. time. We're living way beyond 1844, obviously. We're still waiting. Um, and here's a question that we'd like to ask you to consider. Talk a little bit in your groups. And I think that's a question that really is very practical because Especially that involves, over the last two years. <laughs> it involves us. It's not just a theological question or a biblical question, but it's something where we have to relate to this. Here's the question. We're living in the time of the end. There's no more prophetic time after this. How can we find personal rest with the time of trouble coming? All right, first question. Do you think that this has any links to conspiracy theories? Now, there's two questions, really. First question, maybe the easier one. How, does it, uh, how can we find personal rest with the time of trouble coming? And we, in some of the discussions, it seems to come out also here, bubble up a little bit. But then 
is there a link to many theories that we hear about us? Okay, let's take two minutes and then we'll, we'll get some feedback. Okay, maybe we're breeding a couple of theories here. What do you think? <laughs> no, good. Okay, how can we find personal rest with the time of trouble coming? Any feedback? Yes, yes. there's a hand there. Good. Yes, okay. thank you. So, you, you say we hang on to the Bible. You read the Bible. If you try to hang on to other theories or whatever, they keep changing uh, all around you. We've seen a lot of stuff changing. Yes. Ah, that's a good question. Okay, we'll come back, we'll come back to that one on the, the second part. We, the first part, yes. Okay, so you're emphasizing a very personal connection with God, saying staying true to God, connecting with God is helping for facing that time of trouble. Mm. Okay, good. Yes. Mm. Good, thank you. She mentioned here the verse where Jesus says, the Father himself loves you. When we look at the future, we're often afraid. We think, well, maybe I'm not good enough for God, the Father. But that assurance that the Father himself loves us can give assurance. And, he, and he's really all in, isn't he? I mean, that's why Jesus came. <laughs> yes. Okay, but we, let's go to the second part mm -hmm. of the question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Any, any connection with this, maybe with this anticipation of the time of trouble? And are there any links to conspiracy theories? We, we hear a lot, don't we? depending what kind of media channels you follow, but there's lots around. Yeah, so many. Uh, what did you come up with? What did you talk about there in your groups? Ah. Good. He, he's saying when, when you talk about end times, it can get lost in the shuffle of all the conspiracy theories. Because when you talk about end times, people are oh, another conspiracy theory. Yeah, I think it's a masterful move by Satan to, to so have too. all this because it's, it's really confusing and distracting. Yes. Here's, here's a hand there. Well, yes. Yes and no. I, I know what you mean. I don't think it was a miscalculation. I, I think it was a misunderstanding of, 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 this, of what it means, what the, the sanctuary, sanctuary be cleansed, you know, what the cleaning of the sanctuary meant. But you're right. The, the, there are so many numbers going around. Mm -hmm. And as Chantal said, maybe that's a masterful strategy of Satan to really, may I use the word vaccinate? Okay, <laughs> to vaccinate, that's also a lot conspiracy of conspiracy theory. there. To vaccinate people against the truth, isn't it? You know, you hear tens of those and after the tenth you say, oh, no, I don't want even want to pay attention. And then the eleventh one is really divine right truth <laughs> and you're not paying attention. Mm. I think part of... Okay, one more. Yes. I think one thing about Satan is he can only twist. Mm. So he's twisting versions of the truth. Mm. And we're drawn to it because there's a, a certain element, if not up to 99% of truth. Mm -hmm. Good. I think that's a good thing if you didn't hear it. She, she quoted uh, C.S. Lewis who says, Satan can't create. He can only twist what God has created. And this is something that he likes to do. Put 90% of the truth in a package and give it a twist and you negate the whole thing. So that's definitely something that he's, he's onto. 
I think part of the, the problem is the waiting. And uh, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there, but there's a lot of strange theories inside as well, in Christian circles, when it comes to prophecy. Mm -hmm. Because we don't like to just wait. Mm. We like to have kind of the, I don't know, the insider knowledge. And to be able to connect the lines, it's just, it's just kind of comforting. It gives you this worldview. You know that these powerful families are beyond this and this. And every time you see that symbol, you know automatically that it connects to this, which connects to this, which connects to this. Whew, you have it. It, it may be a false sense of security that, that also is resulting from these things mm -hmm. beyond the fact that it may desensitize people from divine truth about, about the... Second coming. But Jenny, we should, we should actually talk about not just the big picture. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the personal Before challenge. we talk about that, mm -hmm. the last, last word on conspiracy, which I think I find very helpful because I'm sure you feel sometimes overwhelmed. Does this, and especially when it comes to new Bible interpretations mm -hmm. uh, and, and time setting or other new prophetic interpretations that come out, have a look at it. And as you look at it, say, does this, does this strengthen my faith and hope in Jesus, or does it scare me? Mm. Does this make me more confident in my relationship with Jesus, in what Jesus has done for me, or does it scare me, or does it make me think that I'm somehow better than other people? You also notice, and this I think is a real sign of a conspiracy theory, is where someone is convinced about it and they start treating other people in a way that's, how can I say, derogatory. Hurtful. Hurtful. You don't see that? You can't see that? Well, I don't want to talk to you anymore. You, 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 they've already got you. you. You belong to the other side. I'm the only one who understands what's going on here. As soon as that mindset comes on us, we know that is not God's mindset. Mm. It's not a witnessing or sharing mindset. Shani, let's go to the next one. Yeah, the time. Because our time is, Ooh, is moving yeah. quickly. Well, Shil, are you going to tell about this? Yes. In 2014, Germany, that's where I come from, a little town in the northern part of Germany, in Oldenburg, Umstede, there was a, uh, they were renovating at the... Uh, church bell tower, something similar like this. This is not the picture from there. But something similar like this, and somehow, strange enough, I never heard about this, it actually made the news in Germany, somebody climbed up, it's about 100 feet, 120 feet, 40 meters, um, climbed up over the night, uh, at, at night, and stole the, which, uh, which sign? They stole the hour hand. The hour hand, because it was made out of copper or something like this. Mm -hmm. Apparently very precious metal or people thought they could, they sell, could sell that. And suddenly you had a watch there, a clock that still was working but it wasn't telling time, right? I mean, nobody could see. You, you could, could see, see the minutes. You could see the minutes but which hour was it? So it was fairly useless. I, we thought it was a great illustration uh -huh. of, of maybe the focus on maybe the big picture but maybe forgetting the personal These little, applications. Yeah. Yeah. While we look at the big picture and worry about the time of trouble or think about the future, what we really also need to be considering is our, our clocks. 
we don't know what the time is there. Okay, we're going to have mm -hmm. one more question now because of time. We had a couple more. But, th but this one is a very practical one. I think that's one that anybody, doesn't mean nobody uh, is exempt from this, fear about death. I don't know if you have friends who you talk about, not Adventists, colleagues, and there are some, obviously some very different ideas floating around. Interestingly, the Bible describes rest like sleep, uh, death like sleep, and in the Old Testament, it's used to describe, you know, and he rested with his fathers, mm -hmm. meaning he was asleep in the tomb. Okay, here's a question. Jane is extremely worried about dying. She's afraid of even talking about her feelings and emotions. How can the biblical concept of death and the promise of the resurrection help her overcome fear? What do you think? All right, we'll give you a minute and then we'll have another... Dina, how many minutes do we have more? Ten minutes? Okay, yes, go ahead. In your groups, what are you gonna, how are you going to help Jane? So what advice do we have for, for poor Jane? What would Anyone? You... Yes, please. Okay, so here the first answer was, before I give advice, let's find out from Jane or from your friend, what are you afraid of specifically? Is it maybe pain? Is it maybe the way you die? Is it maybe what you have been, what you think about death, what will happen, purgatory, heaven, hell, whatever? Okay, good advice. A anybody else? Okay, that's a beautiful, she rooted her her answer to, to this person in, in Jesus. Jesus himself, we told, was afraid of death. But he also broke the fear of death he by going through it. And being resurrected. And being resurrected. And this gives us then hope that when we walk with Jesus, we don't have to be afraid. He's been that way before we go with him. So, so the, the way we think about death really affects not just our our theology, you know, how we think about God and the world, but it, it affects how we relate to other people, to this life, how we, how live, we live our lives. How we live our lives, right? Yeah. Now, Jesus makes it very clear that for him, death is sleep. The metaphor, remember the story of Lazarus, when he says, but he's dead, he's smelling already, but said, no, he's, he's asleep. Um, and that's a biblical concept that we find in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. I think for most people, the fear of death, yes, there's these other questions that are big, but the big question is, I'm not good enough. Mm. I'm not good enough. And if I had to ask you right now, how many of you are ready to die? Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you're going to think about it a moment, right? <laughs> but you don't have to. That's the good news. You don't have to. If you have asked Jesus into your heart... If you are living with Jesus right now, you are fine. You're safe. You're in the good, safe place. Well, Chantal, I think we need to come to an end yes. because we kind of ran a little bit out of time. We started 10 minutes yep, late we did. because people were coming a little bit later. But we want to do something very differently that we haven't done in all the other seminars. We actually would like you to find one prayer partner. We want to pray. Maybe you can pray about how you can ask God to find that rest. 
amongst all the restlessness and the fears that are going around. And that's some of the elements. If you hear more than once, you remember some of the different elements. But even today, if we just think about the fear of the future, the fear of what will happen to me and time in my personal life. And then at the end of that, we'll give you two minutes. Maybe you pray in groups of two. And then Chantal and I will do a prayer together. That's actually a prayer that we wrote down. We don't do that often, but I think for this one, we enjoy doing that. Okay, let's take the, find a prayer partner. And right at the end, maybe you can stay quiet. Chantal and I will, will be praying that final prayer. Father, we, we thank you that this room is filled with prayer. We thank you in a special way for each one of of those who came this morning, who, as we thought about rest and the restlessness that we experience in our personal lives, maybe also as we think about the future, we thank you for the assurance that you're with us. In a restless world, Lord, of continual activity, please help us to stop and recognize our need of rest. We realize that we've caught the contagious virus of restlessness. And without your intervention, it will grow and explode into open rebellion against you. Please help us to understand that although this rest you offer is free, it is never cheap. Help us to win the great battle with self and learn the challenge of daily surrender. May your forgiveness that brings rest never become stale or irrelevant to us. May we keep it fresh and actual by forgiving others. Teach us how to maintain a healthy lifestyle that will promote both physical and mental rest. When we sick or face mental health challenges, please help us to rest in the assurance that you love us for who we are and not just what we can do. Teach us to move to your rhythms of rest as we delight in celebrating Sabbath rest that will remind us of who we are. May we never reduce your Sabbath rest to a list of do's and don'ts, but rather teach us how to find holy delight in activities that will draw us closer to you, others, and your creation as we anticipate the day when you will make all things new. Please bring rest to our complicated, tangled relationships. May we be able to find in each person, regardless of race, gender, or ethnicity, someone who is our equal and equally loved by you. Show us how to live in anticipation of history's greatest event without resorting to frantic alarmist activities. Teach us how to demonstrate our belief in the soon coming of Jesus by selfless acts of service for those around us that invite them to find hope in you. Please, Lord, build patience in us, transform our characters, and Teach us total dependence on you, that we can rest in your plan and in your timing. May we live in a state of restful readiness that we can be unafraid to face death should it come before to us unexpectedly. Thank you for choosing us to go as your messengers to a big, restless world. Mm. We understand that it's only in being yoked with you that we will find rest and be able to reach others who need to hear about a God who loves us unconditionally and offers forgiveness, grace, and true rest. We ask this all in the name of 
the one who is our rest. Amen. This message was recorded in partnership with Audioverse at the GYC conference Break Forth in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take sacrificial initiative for Christ and to see Jesus finish the work in this generation. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.